Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Before the Downbeat, a musical podcast. I am your host, Ginger, man who probably would not look good in go-go boots, Mackenzie. But I think you would. I, I totally disagree with you. I mean, they would give me some, some much-needed height, uh, I have to say. My Atlanta. <laughs> but yes, I'm Mackenzie, and I'm joined by the Canadian B. Arthur, the John Adams of theater, uh, the Tanya to my Rosie, Autumn Smith. Yes, always searching for our Donna. Yes. Where is she? Yes. Who can say? Yes. We'll find her one day. Yes. Sarah, are you there? <laughs> Sarah is here. She could rock the go-go boots. I believe I, that. I, I have to say. Yes. And the metallic onesie would look fantastic mm. on her. I am certainly seeing maybe, in, uh, maybe a family Halloween costume next year. She said, and the concussion when she falls. <laughs> that would look really great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, Autumn and I are here today. And today we are discussing the jukebox musical to end all jukebox musicals. It was the movie musical that launched Meryl Streep's movie musical career autumn what are we doing today mama mia here, here we go again hi my how can i resist you mama mia i couldn't even get it out does it show again my my just how much i missed you really did launch Meryl Streep's um like musical movie career um, yes I mean think about it since <coughs> Mamma Mia she's now done Into the Woods she's done The Prom she's done uh she she did she, she even played in that Ricky my Ricky daughter getting married one where she plays the mom mom yeah. and she learned to play guitar in a month for that part uh, she's done quite a few musicals now yeah her career has taken a a total turn went from Sophie's Choice to movie musicals. The fact that within our first five episodes of season three, we've covered all three of Meryl Streep's movie musicals. I think we could dub this season almost the season of Meryl Streep. Yeah, our like three this, uh, movie musicals. Yeah, we've done Into the Woods. We're doing Mamma Mia. And then and, and, the, and then you will have heard oh. us over the holidays talking about The Prom. So, <gasps> the Prom. So there you go. So Meryl Streep in a nutshell. Yep. But there we go. So I chose this musical. This was this was this wasn't an autumn pick. I know, surprising. I know, right? This must be a lawn mowing one. There definitely are lawn mowing tracks in right. uh, uh, in this. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I chose it because I love the story. 
they I I I I like they actually came up with a really good story for this about someone trying to find themselves and understand their personal family dynamic, which is a struggle for anybody, and especially nowadays where we have so many. I don't I I, I don't I don't know if the term is broken homes, but separated homes. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 what Sophie says, where like there is a struggle, there is a piece of her that she feels is missing, and there is a struggle in this piece. Like there, there, there is genuine struggle here that is masked by these beautiful, catchy tunes by ABBA, and there are some really great characters and fantastic verbal and physical comedy that takes place in oh, this. Oh, absolutely. There's that. There's- yeah, yeah. Like this is what this is one of these great deceptive musicals that 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 razzle dazzles you and plays to the masses on one hand, but then walks that fine tightrope of actually giving something very genuine and very deep and profound that 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 you can actually go, oh, oh, oh. I'm actually like, I, I, I. I it's very subversive that one. I think that's what I think that's what makes it one of I think it makes it one of the very few tightrope walking smart musicals. And I mean, it's ABBA. I mean, goddamn, like who doesn't oh, love the ABBA yeah. music? Like it just I makes you all feel. Abba. It, 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 it just makes you feel good, or like it just hits you in the right spot, no matter where, no matter what you're doing. But Benny I, 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 and Bjorn, yeah. Benny BB, Benny, Benny and Bjorn mm-hmm. are amazing. They're yeah. they're so good. Yeah, and their music, you know. It does do something. It's there's a palpable joy, mm-hmm. and yet the lyrics are quite sometimes very profound. Yes, I mean, like the song that they actually cut from the movie uh, version that is really profound is "Knowing Me, Knowing You." That's uh, amazing, the, is it not? No, 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 no. They cut that song. Chris Brosnan does not sing "Knowing Me, Knowing You." Thank God, because he can't sing. Yeah, like, the, like there is something profound about what they're saying there. Like, like, I, 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 walking through an empty house, tears in my eyes. Here is where the story ends. This is goodbye. Knowing me, knowing you, there is nothing we can do. Knowing me, knowing you, we just have to face it. This time, we're sure. through. Breaking up is never easy, I know, but I have to go. Knowing me, knowing you is the best I can do. Like, there's something deep and profound in, the, in what in what that song is saying. But you totally can miss it because it's oh well, it's ABBA. Like you kind of get you, you think you kind of can almost people almost can fluff it off, but it's like no, like what they're saying. I don't think people who grew up with ABBA fluff it off at all. Mm, yes, maybe in its retro version. Yeah, when we've popularized art through yep. the likes of Justin Bieber and yes. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. 
but it's amazing you know all of these young kids who started out like the beebs and selena gomez yeah dare i say their names together <clears throat> as they mature as artists they have a lot to say yeah and their their own personal struggles are now being voiced in their work and i think they're becoming better artists well i can't believe i'm saying that well it's maturity but maturity that, comes from that like this is there's a huge there's a huge problem mm -hmm. with like taking reality shows and all of this garbage mm -hmm. and like putting putting people into situations that are just so difficult yeah and it diminishes the art form mm -hmm. but i'm glad that as they mature they're finding more voice and more content to their work mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. yep but I, I agree with you with Mamma Mia, Mac. I, I think that, you know, it is a play that, uh, you know, a musical about finding your whole self. And yes. if finding, you know, a missing parent will solve that for you, mm -hmm. um, who knows? Maybe mm -hmm. it's maybe it's not the missing key, but I think, yeah. it, you know, I always teach the kids information is power. Yes, right? absolutely. And what they choose to do with it it's hard and you know sophie has had to live a life where she is not just the child she mm -hmm. is the other other half of a relationship yes right yeah and i i don't think anyone understands the burden that children in separated houses carry mm -hmm. even from you know watching our kids do mm -hmm. it you know this idea that they have to become something other mm -hmm. than who they truly are on the inside mm -hmm. every time they leave this house anyway mm -hmm. or maybe the other them is the real them yeah it's very it's hard to know i mean we only know the narrative we're given mm -hmm. right but it's hard to you know it's like navigating friendship like who yeah. who do you need me to be in the world for you to like me yeah and to love me mm -hmm. and to accept me Mm -hmm. that's huge that's huge for a kid to hold yeah. on to mm -hmm. huge yeah yeah so once again very like this is a very um deceptively smart story yeah. that actually has something to say that it, it's not just a abba abba greatest hits musical they're, they're actually they that well we'll get into this production so they actually did set out to make something like this and i think they succeeded uh yeah. but for anybody who doesn't know what mamma mia is about I'll give you the briefest rundown, even though it's one of the most popular musicals in, 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 in the musical theater canon. Uh, mm -hmm. But Mamma Mia tells the story of Sophie Sheridan, who 24 hours before her wedding sets out to find her father so he can walk her down the aisle. Uh, using her mother's diary, uh, she invites the three men that her mother Donna may have slept with, or sorry, has slept with, and may have, and, and, and may have been the sperm donor, as she says, to being like her dad and so and so she invites sam bill and harry to the wedding yes. and, and ultimately they show up on on the little greek island where this is all takes place hijinks ensue uh everything goes awry in classic like wedding like wedding trope fashion uh and ultimately the story ends with not sophie and sky her fiance getting married but instead, it is Donna and her first love, Sam, who end up getting married at the end. 
And the musical ends with Sophie and Skye sending out to, to see the world uh, together. Um, with Sophie feeling, I would definitely say, whole and complete in her new wonderful support system. And that includes her three dads, her mom, her two aunts, and, and her friends. So... It's yeah, a, and in the, in the, in the fact they end with a full moon at the end. It's the full picture at, at the end of the piece that it's that there's yeah. that full the, the the full the full complete cycle that's been that's done. true. Mm-hmm. But it's not the complete cycle. We just get her complete mindset. It's almost like she has this wake up call. Like I yeah. don't need to get married to be completed. Well, that's what happens I at the wedding, to... right? Well, and it's also you know just. Figuring out who she is without mm. being tied to a man. Yes. It's it's very it's very progressive in that way. This musical actually has some great, dare I say, feminist yes. messaging. And the fact that this the fact that this is automatic like this is our second musical has an all female creative team, I think absolutely plays a part in I know. Like, Except in, for Benny and Bjorn. Well, they're there, but like I mean you got they're a huge part of it. But <laughs> yeah, sure. But I mean, you got a female director, female producer, female of uh, a female writer, like the the core team. But like overall, like it's a very good, strong feminist musical that has yeah. great, strong female characters. I mean, I mean, do, I mean, does, does does this musical pass the Bechtel test? Not really, but that's okay. It's it's still it's still it still is a it still is a strong female characters who look at own the stage and mother daughter relationships. This is a great musical because it is, it does deal with the subtlety of the human condition. Mm-hmm. Not overt. Mm-hmm. This is the theme. This is what you must learn from me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am being political. Yeah. You're boring. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't, yeah. I don't, I didn't come here to be lectured. I came yeah. here to watch a musical. Yes, exactly. You know, I want, mm-hmm. invite me into your story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the team and storytelling, Autumn, we have a new team. Well, uh, kind of, yes. 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 Yeah. Kind of. We, we have I'm, two carryovers from our chess episode. We have but, Benny and Bjorn, otherwise known as the writer-creators of the hit musical group, ABBA. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, we also talked prolifically about them. Uh, in chess. In our chess episode way back in season one yeah episode um, three i think yeah was, like yeah I, I think chess was our third episode if i remember correctly a long time ago might have to redo that one at some point great musical very good uh have a listen mm-hmm. but the book i'm gonna get i'm we're gonna leave benny and bjorn because everyone yeah, talked about them. them hopefully yeah if you don't um, I mean, I, I, I mean, they supplied the music, but like the team was very sure about not changing any of the lyrics. Really, they took Benny and Bjorn's already done work, and now in this team created a whole new piece. That's right. It. So really, so really, the focus should be on this team and not Benny and Bjorn. So, who else we got on them? So, Catherine Johnson was the book writer, the yep. story writer. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a British playwright. Um, and does work for both uh, stage and TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's best known for this musical mm-hmm. and for the film of the same name. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, coincidentally the highest grossing British picture of all time in the UK. 
Can you believe that? Uh, and the biggest selling UK DVD of all time. I can believe that. I can believe yeah. that. I mean, like our family got the got the DVD for Christmas. Yeah, it definitely also, is. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. also yeah. Uh, co-wrote the sequel, mm. Mamma Mia. Here we, Here we go again. Uh, she grew up uh, near Wooden Under Edge and att- attended. Oh, listen to this! How fancy. Mm-hmm. Catherine Lady Berkeley's school in Wooten. Hmm. Um, she was, uh, funnily enough, expelled from school at the tender age of 16. Why? Married at 18 and divorced by the age of 24. Wait. Wow. I like this woman. Lived a life. Um, she moved to Bristol and uh, found herself on uh, unemployment uh, with one child to support. And she spotted a notice in the newspaper, the local newspaper, for the Bristol Old Vic, uh, a playwriting competition. Oh. So she wrote the play Ragdoll uh, using a pseudonym, Maxwell Smart. And (laughs) I know, that's crazy. It's a play about incest and child abuse. Oh. And it won her the competition and was staged at the Bristol Old Vic. There you go. Huge. It's huge. She wrote plays for the Bush Theatre in London, Bristol Old Vic, and followed that with work on television series, including Casualty, Love Hurts, and Biker Grove. Mm. In 2007, she instituted the Catherine Johnston, uh, Johnson, not Johnston, sorry, Award for Best Play. Uh, written by the five Pearson Playwright Scheme bursary winners from the previous year. Catherine won a bursary from the scheme in 1991, which is really cool that she took it over and renamed it. Yeah. And she is a patron of the Wooten Electrical Picture House. There you go. In Wooten Under Bridge, Bristol Myrtle Theatre Company. She is also a patron of and arts and community in Thornbury. There you go. You know, um, very varied. Uh, that's kind of like a bio that is different. I like that. I think she's, she's almost lived the Donna life in a way. Yeah. In like, a- I, I, you see a lot of the, the, you see a lot of Donna in Catherine. Yes. Like the single mom. Mm-hmm. Divorced the- really early. Yeah. Uh, struggling. It's kind of yeah. interesting. It's kind of, you know, uh, a better J.K. Rowling there, <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, and then we move on to our wondrous director, Philida Christian Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Um, she has her CBE. She was um, honored with the CBE, mm-hmm. uh, Commander of the British Empire, I believe that says for. Yep. Uh, English film director, producer, best known for Mamma Mia, mm-hmm. and. The Iron Lady. Yes. Starring again the wonderful Meryl Streep. Uh, her theater work includes work at the Royal Court Theater, mm-hmm. the Royal National Theater, mm-hmm. and she's also directed opera for both Opera North and Royal Opera House Covent Garden. Beautiful. Hello. Um, she was born and raised uh, Somerset, uh, south of Bristol. Um, after graduating from the Bring- uh, Birmingham University, mm-hmm. 
in 79. She spent five working, uh, five years working in at the BBC mm -hmm. in television drama. Very good. Um, in uh, 85, she was awarded uh, the Arts Council of Great Britain bursary to be a trainee director at the Woolsey Theatre in Ipswich. Is it Ipswich? No. Ipswich. I couldn't tell you. Uh, my British friends, I'm so sorry. Uh, that one's that one's hard. All the other ones I'm very good with, but that one not so much. <laughs> the following year, she was appointed associate director at the Everyman Theater in Cheltenham, uh, then the associate director of the Bristol Old Vic. Very Interesting good. that the Bristol Old Vic came back again. Yeah, absolutely. Where her production of the Comedy of Errors was a success. Um, she moved on to the Royal Exchange in Manchester, and then in '91. She made her debut with the RSC, Royal mm -hmm. Shakespeare Company, mm -hmm. with a uh, well-received production of a little-known play um, called The Virtuoso. Mm -hmm. In 1992, she also had a successful production of the rarely seen artists and admirers. Uh, and after uh, that, she has never returned to the RSC. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, in 1992... Uh, she had her first commercial success at the Royal Court mm -hmm. with Six Degrees of Separation. Mm. Um, a great play. Just a fantastic play. Mm. 94, she made her debut at the Royal National Theatre with Pericles. Critics were a bit divided on it. Very tough Shakespeare play to do, Pericles. It's a very wishy-washy one. No yeah. one done very often. Yeah. She had general praise, however, for her productions of Hysteria mm. uh, at the Royal Court. Kurt Files and Bertolt Brecht's uh, Threepenny Opera at the Donmar Warehouse. Very good. Um, then she went to work at Opera North with Nicholas Payne. Mm -hmm. um, and then she did a lot of opera. She did uh, Bohem, Gloriana, Dia. And then she did Dialogue of the Carmelites for the ENO and WNO. Mm -hmm. uh, Verdi's Macbeth for the Bastille Opera and the Opera Royal Opera House. Mm -hmm. And she did, uh, she directed the premiere of The Handmaid's Tale. Oh. Uh, and a controversial ring cycle mm. for the ENO. That's so exciting. Mm. Uh, she received an international Emmy, a FIPA d'Or, and a Royal Philharmonic Society Award. Very nice. In spite of the mixed reception, Accorded to her first production at the National Theatre, Lloyd nonetheless returned to direct productions of The Way of the World, Pericles, What the Butler Saw, The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie, and The Duchess of Malfi. Mm. Also directed an award-winning production of Boston Marriage, an mm. amazing story, at the Donmar Warehouse in 2001, and Schiller's Mary Stewart, adapted by Peter Oswald for the oh. Donmar as well. Mm -hmm. um, then she went on to do this little thing, the um, <laughs> and that perpetual, you know, like propelled her into doing the Iron Lady, mm -hmm. wondrous Meryl's Street. Won her that won her her third Oscar. Yeah, in two thousand and fourteen, she directed Henry the Fool in the West End. There That's how this ends. It's kind of anticlimactic after the rest. <laughs> um, she had a very good career. Like oh oh yes she's like, amazing she's and she's she's worked with some really incredible artists mm -hmm. so but there we go so, so that is Philida 
So Anthony Van Last. Let's talk about the choreographer, Anthony Van Last. Let's do it. Who is he? Um, so he uh, trained at the London School of Contemporary Dance and performed and has choreographed for that company. Okay. Um, as a choreographer, he has done Sister Act on Broadway and the West End, mm-hmm. Bombay Dreams, Mamma Mia, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat in 93, Mm-hmm. Manny Get Your Gun and Song and Dance. Those are some good musicals he's covered. He's uh, he's good. He's 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 pretty good. Um, he received a nomination for the Tony Award, uh, along with Farrah Khan for Bombay mm-hmm. Dreams. Very good. Um, and uh, for his work on the musical Hair at the Old Vic and for the Beggars mm-hmm. Opera. At the RSC, he was nominated for the Olivier Award. Mm. Uh, his television work includes concerts for Sarah Brightman. Ooh. He did Beauty and the Beast, the 2017 film. Wow, okay. And Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 1. Okay, yeah, there's the wedding scene there, so you totally could need a choreographer for that. There you go. Uh, he co-directed and choreographed EFX, the Las Vegas stage show at the MGM, mm-hmm. starring Michael Crawford. Ah. Uh, he is also choreographed for Holiday on Ice, and he is the artistic director for Mystery. I don't know what Mystery is, but it I sounds, do not know either. Sounds mysterious, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, he was awarded an MBA. E, a member of the British Empire for services to dance and choreography in 99. Good for him. Uh, in 79, he worked with Kate Bush uh, on her tour, The Tour of Life. Hmm. And he is a patron of Erdang Academy. And there you go. The producer of this show, the, the Kickstarter of this journey, uh-huh. is Judith Sarah Jarman Kramer. CBE, Commander of the British Empire, mm-hmm. uh, English creator and producer of musical theater, mm-hmm. uh, worked extensively in film, television, and music. Uh, she is the founder of Little Star Services, mm-hmm. and she found uh, international acclaim on this show, Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. She's a graduate of the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. Mm-hmm. And then she worked as a stage manager. I love that. Yep. Uh, for the Haymarket Theater in Leicester, uh, the old Vic Theater, and on the original, the OG production of Cats for Mr. McIntosh and the Really Useful Theater Company. Mm-hmm. Um, in 82, she became Tim Rice's production assistant and went on to become the executive producer for Chess. Well, there's her in. Yeah. Um, she's done a lot of television work, including mm-hmm. work with uh, Greta Scacchi, Charles Dance, Martin Clunas, Timothy Spall. And Great. then she went on to um, do this amazing thing that we are talking about today. And she's making a ton of money. Off it, so basically, she made her money and then some. She never needs to work again. Basically, she is good to go. Like That's all I got. fun times perfect wow that's a great team i have to say yes and yeah yeah a great team and once again our second i think we can say kind of all female creative team of 
writer, producer, director. The three. I love that. Right. Right. Love it. This and us and uh, Secret Gardener are only two that really kind of meet that criteria. I love that one too. I know you do. My favorite. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So why don't we get into how this project came to be uh, with our deep dive into the production history. So while everybody gets on their go-go boots, I will give the rundown. Uh, This musical, as uh, Autumn said, is the brainchild of producer Judy Kramer. Uh, She met songwriters Benny M. Bjorn in 1983 when she was working for Tim Rice. And so she met them and it was the song The Winner Takes It All. The winner takes it all The loser standing small Beside the victory that suggested to her the theatrical potential of their pop songs. As the lyrics, she felt revealed a roller coaster story of love and loss and struck Judy uh, as an extraordinarily theatrical experience waiting to be done. Judy then approached Benny and Bjorn and pitched them on the concept of the project she had in mind that would focus on a new and exciting story and it wouldn't be just a simple tribute show or the ABBA bio story but a truly original book musical. Benny and Bjorn were not 100% convinced at the time, but they didn't absolutely shut her down on the project. Uh, Judy continued to kind of foster this this project a bit at the beginning, keeping it kind of alive. And it was ultimately in 1995 when Bjorn finally said, if you, Judy, can find the right writer and story, well, let's see what happens. So off Judy goes to get this piece really going. And she was on location for a film she was producing when the director of that film suggested Katherine Johnson as, uh, as, her, as her writer for this piece. The two, women, the two women met in 1997. And soon after their first meeting, Judy went back to Bjorn stating that the project had found its writer and that Judy and her co-producer Richard East uh, had commissioned Catherine to write the uh, story. Uh, when Catherine started to write, Judy gave some very specific directions for Catherine to follow. And that included no lyrics could be changed to fit the narrative. The story should be contemporary, ironic, uh, and, and basically fall under the genre of romantic comedy. Uh, it was after listening to the ABBA songs, that the concept of a cross-generational love story was devised as they felt Abazons could fall into two different generations. There's the slightly younger, playful songs like Honey Honey and Dancing Queen, as well as there's the more mature, emotional songs like The Winner Takes It All and Knowing Me, Knowing You. So ultimately, that's kind of how that came to pass, that this that the songs kind of got split between the two generations, kind of said, here we go. 
Uh, and then by the end of 1977, sorry, 1997, by the end of 1997, Catherine had completed her first draft and producer uh, Judy brought on director Philida Lloyd uh, as well. Uh, due to a preset commitment, Mamma Mia had to open by April 7th, 1999, as the creative team would lose Philida, who had already been booked years in advance to direct an opera at the Coliseum in London. So basically they were like, we gotta, we gotta get this done. <clears throat> the producers looked for an opening night that would fit that time, and their options narrowed to either April the 6th or April the 9th. April the 6th happened also to be the anniversary of the day ABBA's uh, winning the Eurovision contest with the song Waterloo yes. 25 years previously. So they were like, that's a good omen. We're going to open on that date. Yes. So the date was found, but they didn't have a theater. Um, so, then the, so then the process went about looking for a venue for this piece. Uh, throughout the entire process, Bjorn was enthusiastic and shared the vision of the musical while Benny was a little bit more cautious about whether or not this actually would be successful. The budget for the show dramatically shifted when the original idea of doing the show in a smaller London theater went out the window when suddenly the Prince Edward Theater in London's West End became available. So, right in Piccadilly. Right in Piccadilly and also the place where chess had premiered 10 years earlier. So another positive omen by, by the teams. They were like, well, we got to go there. But by doing that in the sheer size of the venue meant that everything went up in scale. So Bigger cast, more crew needed, bigger set, bigger lights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so ultimately that just added more to the tensions uh, behind the scenes of we got to get make this work because now we're putting way more money behind this piece. Uh, What's yeah. not to work? Well, I mean, before this, there really hadn't been a lot of jukeboxing musicals. I mean, I mean, I mean, when did the Who's Tommy come out, Autumn? That was what, 80s? Also, or also the nineties. Mm -hmm. it, it was before Mamma Mia. Yeah, but I remember seeing it in Toronto. Yeah, but like this was kind of the real big ju first, really big jukeboxing musical. Mommy, yeah, yeah. so, mommy, so like sure. there's so this is this this is kind of was a proof of concept where it's like, can we do it? I think after Tommy and Mamma Mia, they probably should have stopped. I agree. Although I hear Jagged Little Pill is quite good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so basically tensions ran higher due to the increase in their in the budget. During the preview period in London, the musical had the song Summer Night City placed just after the prologue in the song. Uh the 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 uh the wedding rehearsal would take place, and during the song, Ali, Lisa, Tanya, and Rosie would all arrive on the island. Uh ultimately the song was removed, although a small instrumental part of it remains as underscoring to connect the end of the winner takes it all and take a chance on me in the show. Several lines of the song Summer Night City were also heard in the entourage. The most noticeable line is time to breathe and time to live. So there you go. Uh, the creators also tended to use the song just like that, an unreleased ABBA song recorded in, recorded in 1982. The song was apparently dropped just before the first public previews in March of 1999. Uh, though it was listed in the program available during the preview period. Uh, so it's it's the lost cut song from Mamma Mia. Yeah, uh, yeah, get rid of... The, the, people don't want cut songs. Yeah. They don't want 
new ABBA songs. They want the old ABBA songs. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Another fun fact, or sorry, fun ABBA Easter egg, is that Donna is humming the few lines of Fernando when she enters the scene to repair the door in the taverna right before she reconnects with her three former lovers. So there you go. There's a fun little Easter egg there for any ABBA, any ABBA fans. Uh, the musical did open in the West End at the Prince Edward Theater on April the 6th, 1999. It made its date. Yeah. Uh, the cast included Perone's original mistress, Siobhan, Siobhan McCarthy as Donna. We have 10th and 25th anniversary, Madame Tenardier, Jenny Galloway as Rosie, my favorite Madame Tenardier. Uh, Louise Plowright as Tanya. Lisa Stoke as Sophie. Uh, Hilton McRae as Sam. Paul Clarkson as Harry. Nicholas Colicus as Bill. Uh, and Andrew Langtree as Sky. Uh, the production received good reviews, but it was noted that the plot of the musical bears striking similarities to the 1968 film Barona Sierra Mrs. Campbell which similarly is about a woman who does not know which of the three men is the father of her daughter, now a young woman. It is claimed by some other reviewers that Mamma Mia is, is, is officially based off of the 1968 film. Critic John Simon speculated that Mamma Mia was set in Greece and not Italy, which might have better fit the musical's title uh, in order to make the connections to the film less obvious. However, playwright Catherine uh, has denied being inspired by Barona Sierra, Mrs. Campbell. As Shakespeare would say, if there be nothing new than that which hath been before, how are our brains beguiled? We all take, we all, that is what we do as artists. Yeah. We find a new way to say something. Who cares? I didn't know the Get film existed, it. but I knew Mamma Mia, so clearly the movie wasn't that big of a hit. No. Yeah. Uh, so the West End production was nominated for four Olivier Awards, including Best New Musical, Best Actress for um, uh, uh, Siobhan McCarthy, and Best Supporting Actress for both Louise Plowright and Jenny Galloway. Only Jenny Galloway won the Olivier that night. Uh, the West End production transferred to the Prince, Prince of Wales Theatre on June 9th, 2004, uh, where it played until September 2012. And then it moved to the Novello Theater, where it is currently playing until being temporary, temporarily closed due to COVID. It's hard to believe that's not going to be a thing. I lighted in London. Mm -hmm. Literally. Two months after Mamma Mia opened. It was a perfect theater to debut it in. Absolutely. Following the success of the show in the West End, the, the, here's a fun Canadian connection for you. The very first North American premiere of the musical happened in Canada at Toronto's Royal Alexandra Theatre. That's right. Yeah. And who was in that version? So it was Louise Petrie, Gary P. Lynch, Tina uh, Madigan, Adam Brazier, Ga uh, Gabrielle Jones, Mary Ellen uh, Mahoney, Lee McDougall. Ah, who's come from away now. Yep. David, uh, uh, David Mucci, Mike, Mickey Graham, Nicole Frazier, Nicholas Drumder, Skalskoskari, and then with Charles, and then, and then a whole ensemble Amazing. as well. So, uh, And we uh, love our ensembles. We do. Uh, the show was booked for six months and the production opened in May 2000 and ran for five years. 
there you go. But there you go. So the show opens in Canada and then it moves to the States with its debut in San Francisco, California at the Orpheum Theater in November 2000, where it ran to February 2001. Uh, then moving next to Los Angeles, California at the Schubert Theater from February 2001 to May 2001. And finally moving to Chicago, Illinois at the Cadillac Palace Theater May 2001 to August 2001. And the musical opened on Broadway at the Winter Garden Theater in October 2001 after beginning previews on October the 5th. Uh, the original cast included Canadian actress, as we already mentioned, Louise Petrie as Donna. Original Phantom of the Opera Carlotta, Judy Kay as Rosie. You have uh, Karen Mason as Tanya, Tina Madigan as Sophie, David W. Keeley as Sam, Ken Marks as Bill, Dean Nolan as Harry, and Ken Marks as Bill, uh, Dean Nolan as Harry, and Joe uh, Machota as Sky. The production received five Tony Award nominations, including Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, Best Actress for Louise Petrie, Best Featured Actress for Judy Kay, and Best Orchestrations. Musical was shut out and didn't win any awards and lost Best Musical to Thoroughly Modern Millie, which, yeah, fair. Um, it was announced uh, in April of 2013 that <coughs> Mamma Mia would transfer from its home at the Winter Garden to the Broadhurst Theater later that year to make way for the musical adaptation of Rocky, which features the music by who, Autumn? Aaron's and Flaherty. <laughs> Aaron's and Flaherty. Yeah. So they kicked Mamma Mia out of there. The show moved to its final, or sorry, the, the show played its final performance at the Winter Garden in October 2013 and began performances at the Broadhurst in November 2013. It was announced on April 9th, 2015. The show would close on September 5th, 2015. Uh, 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 on, uh, and then on April 21st, 2015, it was announced that the show would play an additional week and it's and when it's dead closed, excuse me, on September 12th, 2015. Mamma Mia played its uh, played uh, played a total of 5,773 performances on Broadway before closing. Mamma Mia currently ranks as the ninth longest running Broadway musical uh, and is the longest running jukebox musical in Broadway history. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I don't but, think that would be you, sir. Unless oh, Jack Hill does it. All right, so let's talk about the movie version of Mamma Mia, because that's what came yes. uh, during the big run of Mamma Mia. So Mamma Mia was adapted as a film produced by Judy Kramer and Gary Geo Goetzman. Uh, yeah, sorry, Gary. Uh, written The screenplay was written by Katherine Johnson and was directed by Phyllida Lloyd with Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson, Bjorn, and Benny as... Uh, executive producers the film stars oh my god i thought you were saying they, they originally cast benny bjorn tom hanks and rita wilson no me. no just nope nope but they acted as producers which is funny considering tom hanks and rita wilson also directed and also produced another big famous greek movie my big fat greek wedding they must like grace must they must i mean i'd like to go to greece i would like to go to greece too i love souvlaki saganaki mm. olives mm. salad yeah what's not to like taramusalata mm. i mean spanakopita mm. right. honey balls yes. mm. uh, see 
Friends, I have a bad gallbladder and all I can do is live vicariously through talking about food. Basically. Uh, yeah. But the movie does star Meryl Streep as Donna, Amanda Seyfried as Sophie, Pierce Brosnan as Sam. Uh, you also feed it all the movie also features Christine Baranski, who also wasn't into the woods, uh, as Tanya, Dominic Cooper as Sky, Colin Firth as Harry, Stellan Skarsgård as um nope. and Mrs. Weasley herself, Julie Walters, Dame Julie Walters as Rosie. Uh the God mo- bless Julie Walters. I love I, her. I do too. She is a gem. Before uh, Harry Potter, everybody. I love Calendar Julie. Girls. She was great in Calendar Girls. Before Calendar Girls. She did Alan Bennett's Talking Heads. Oh. It's brilliant. Mac, you need to watch those. They're brilliant. Okay. The older versions. They okay. just did them, but the newer ones might be good too. Okay. I'll take a look. Yeah. Um, but there we go. Julie Walters is Rosie. Uh, it premiered on July 8th, 2008. God, it feels so long ago. Um, and the, most of the songs remained uh, <laughs> intact with the, ex- with the exceptions of Under Attack, One of Us, Knowing Me, Knowing You, and Thank You for the Music all getting cut from the film. Knowing Me, Knowing You was used as the wedding music uh, in the film. Um, And Thank You for the Music was added to the credits. Uh, And the song, um, When All Is Said and Done, was added as a wedding song. Birds of passage, you and me, we fly instinctively. When the summer's over and the dark clouds hide the sun Neither you nor I am to blame when all is said and done uh, Which I actually think works. Like, I'd actually, uh, like, if you're going to revive the musical, I'd actually add that song in. Because I do think it's a nice round to the character of Sam and Donna. It does give them a nice bit of a better close than what I miss under attack though. It's a fun song. And it's a great opening to act. Favorite ABBA song. Under attack. No, it's the beginning. Don't know how to take it. Don't know where to go. Very 70s. Very techno 70s. So disco. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's see. What else do they do? Um... They took the song uh, "Our Last Summer," which normally is sung by Donna and Sam, or Donna and Harry in her bedroom, and that was then turned into a group song sung by all three of the dads and Sophie. Uh, and the song, the name of the game, was filmed uh, for the was filmed for uh, for uh, for for the movie, but ultimately was ended up as a deleted scene as they felt. The song wasn't needed, and the dialogue of Bill and Sophie talking just did the trick. So, like, we can cut that, and it doesn't hurt us. So, they cut that one. The film received mixed reviews from critics who praised the musical numbers uh, and and, and, also, and also the high production value of the film, but criticized the plot and casting of inexperienced singers, particularly that of Brosnan and Skarsgård. Got the heavy brunt of can't sing why did you cast them which and there's a funny funny story that Pierce Brosnan had never seen the musical 
However, his agent called and said they want they want you to do this movie. Pierce Brosnan had heard it was popular, so he's like, "Okay, I'll do it." He goes and sees the musical that night, finds out he actually has to sing, and goes, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I actually have to sing some songs. <laughs> agent, ring, ring. I don't sing. It's too late. Contract signed. Bingo. That's basically it. You know what? Did people watch it? Did it become a huge film success? Well, let's just say it, it, it is it, it, the film, despite critics' mixed reviews, proved to be extremely popular. It grossed $615 million worldwide on a $52 million film budget. So the movie made its money back and then some, becoming the fifth highest grossing film of 2008. Uh, and it spawned a sequel titled Mamma Mia. Here we go again, starring Cher, and that was released in 2018. And that story, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, like, I, yeah and, and that and that story is kind of like the Godfather Part Two that has a current day story as well as flashing back in time to a origin story of Donna meeting the three men who also end up being Sophie's dads. And the songs "One of Us," "Knowing Me," "Knowing You," were all added back in. Yeah. I love that you related it to The Godfather Part 2. Well, that's what they said when they were writing. They're like, we we could just do it like The Godfather. But the fact that that's now become a thing that people do now, where it's like, we're going to do The Godfather Part 2. These these two simultaneous stories. I've never seen that. (laughs) You've never seen The Godfather Part 2? I've never seen any of The Godfathers. (laughs) Autumn Smith! (laughs) You're killing me. I've killed him. How have you not seen The Godfather? I don't know. It's not. Autumn, you need to watch that. Show it to Hannah. She'll love it. That it's like quintessential film. There we go. That is production history. And now we will hear a quick word from our new partner, Stu, over at the Sounds of Broadway radio station. Take it away, Stu. Where can you hear the best music from Off-Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage? The answer, soundsofbroadway.com, your 24-7 online Broadway music radio station. Listen to selections from well-known, popular, and more obscure musicals from the most diverse playlists anywhere. That's soundsofbroadway.com. Let's go on with the show. Thanks so much, Stu, and now back to the show. Uh, Mamma Mia. Big, huge success. Worldwide, big movie success. Autumn went and saw Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, didn't like it. I didn't say that. You've always bashed it. (laughs) Whenever we've talked about it. (laughs) No, I actually did like it. I like like Mamma Mia. It took a while. I was convinced not to like Mamma Mia by certain people, influencers in my life. They were lame. I don't like them anymore. I like Mamma Mia. Yeah. Fair. Suck it. Suck it, people. As my child would say, calm your face. Autumn, why don't you tell us how you first came to the musical Mamma Mia? I came to it when I, like, I knew of it when I lived in London. I had just moved to London. I passed by the theater every single day. I saw the lineups of people and I'm like, ugh, this is crappy. Who wants to see a musical about Mamma Mia? And then I came home mm-hmm. and uh, I took my mom and dad mm-hmm. to see the stage version because my friend Sal at the time was in it. Yeah. And I was I was hooked. 
You were hooked. I was hooked. Now, the story is a bit cheesy, but as I get older, I understand it. I think I think in my like 20s, angsty 30s, I didn't really appreciate the simplicity of what that story was about and having kids now. I was about to say, yeah. now you're a mom. I guarantee you're going to identify a lot more with Donna. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great. Mm-hmm. And my mom, my mom loves this musical. So Autumn, now you really do have to Green Smith, what is your favorite musical? She will be Mamma Mia. And I'll be like, really? <laughs> Final answer. Final answer. Hannah <laughs> loves this musical. The the cross section of joy that that brings two very different age demographics and the way that we can come together and celebrate through song mm-hmm. is enough to sell me on this musical. Yeah. Well, Mamma Mia is multi-generational. I'm, our, our, and, the, and the album music is multi-generational. It's played at every wedding. Yes. Every, Dancing Queen is the quintessential dance song. Yes. Come we're, on. We're, we're going to talk about Dancing Queen. I got some thoughts about Dancing Queen. You'll find out. Uh, <clears throat> either way. Uh, so I have a fun story about how I came to this show because yeah. young Mac oh my God. didn't even know about ABBA back in the day. Like I was all, like, don't forget, I was all Lane is. I, like, I, that, like that was my world uh, back when I was a kid of musicals. But it was my friend's grandmother, his wonderful nanny, who was going to take him to see the show with her friend and her friend couldn't make it. So they brought me to see the show instead. We sat up in the balcony of the Royal Alex and I got to experience ABBA for the first time. And I was hooked. My friend Sam actually bought me the album for my birthday. Of course they did. Yeah. Because they're good friends. Yeah. He's my best friend. Sam is my best friend. I've known him since I was six months old. There he you is, go. He, 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 he's he, the, the phrase brother from another mother. That is my friend Sam. In a, in a nutshell, um, yeah, we absolutely are. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so I saw the show live, like, I, 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 like in Toronto. It, I, like, I, it did make an impression on me because I was like, "What is this?" Like, I remember listening to the CD on the way down because my 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 friend's mom Penny uh, drove Sam and I down. And yeah, and I remember being hooked on the song "Money, Money" from 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 there. It was the orchestration of of that song, just that dun 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 dun. dun. Like it's very Lee Mizzy in, in the way that the orchestration sounds. And I think that's why that particular song hit me first. And I was like, okay, I can get into this. Like, I, 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 there, there, there's some of that operatic, big sound to this show. Um, so 
Yes. So came and saw the show and then, of course, saw the movie. Family, that was one of those experiences where the whole family went out and saw the movie at the movie theater. In Aurelia. Aurelia. Yeah, Aurelia. Uh, The whole family went out and saw it. We laughed our heads off. The scene with Julie Walters falling uh, off the little dinghy like into the water. We thought that was absolutely hysterical. Same thing with her sliding down the banister. That moment, like kills me every time i saw this with my mother too over the holidays you have to we certainly went to see mama mia here we go again yeah with hannah and my mom yeah but we watch it like on repeat over the holidays with my parents we'll probably watch it with my mom you know i would say you know how every christmas they play the sound of music uh, yes, it was on this weekend. Yes. Well, I'm saying they should bring Mamma Mia into that fold. Because that's another one. Ew. I mean, Sound of Music has no connection to Christmas whatsoever. There is no Christmas story, no Christmas song. It's just played at Christmas because it's a family mu- movie. Family. Mu- well, so that's why I'm saying Mamma Mia should be slotted in there cats. too. Forget that. Oh, God, cats. Never Put remember Mamma Mia in. Put Jingle Jangle in. Mm-hmm. And put the prom in. Those are great holidays. You'll feel good. Yes, you can feel so good. You're going to feel like you're doing some advocacy work. Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Autumn, let's get into our top three songs of the musical. This was hard. This was hard for me as well. There's some really good ones in here that like, and also the fact that because I, I went back and re, and re-listened, there are some songs I've now like knowing me, knowing you was a song I never connected to, but now that I'm older, listening to it, I'm like, it's got like it's like, like it almost made the list, but there are three others that 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 made it. So Autumn, why don't you start? What is your number one? My number one song mm-hmm. slipping through my fingers. That is my number one as well. Never Yay! fails to bring a tear to my eye. We have a match. Right off the top. Oh my God. That when was I the watched easiest this movie with my mother. I just, and then my mother and Hannah, like, come on. I am a mess. I can't yes. even get through the rest of the film. Yes. I cannot. It is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. The song is beautiful. It's simple. Yep. It's, uh, it doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the movie you just get this really quiet mm-hmm. moment yes. that is stunning it's yep. stunning and we finally get away from the chaos of everything that's happening on this mm-hmm. island with the dads and we just get them them mm-hmm. who've been 
separated. Yeah. Separable. Mm -hmm. This is their moment when they're going to have to separate. Yes. And it's, I like, I like watching it with my mother. It's like empathy. I just, I am watching it with Hannah is now going through that and watching her grow up and Mm -hmm. discover the world and who she is and Mm -hmm. finding her voice. Mm -hmm. It's stunning. Yeah. It's stunning. And it's, it's just beautifully articulated in that song. Mm -hmm. It fits perfectly. Yes. I mean, for me, I mean, I'll tell you now, one of the big criteria I had for both lists we're going to do is how well did the song fit into the story? Because with a jukebox musical, you're taking something that's already been written and now you got to try and wedge it into a a, a plot. Mm -hmm. And this was the song that automatically fit for me right away. Like, yes, The Winter Takes It All is certainly Donna's big power ballad of, of, of the show. But this is the heart of the show. Yeah. Because because it's like, like this is the quintessential heart of the story. It solidifies that this isn't a story about kind of Shakespearean misromances. This is a story about parents and children and the transitions of life that are coming with aging. And that's what this song captures in a beautiful, yeah. simple nutshell. Like the song is so honest and so bare. Uh-huh. There's like, like it's, it's like, like it's, it's, it's just so raw. This song. I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's a raw, unfiltered song. And I, I can remember watching this in theaters and my mom really holding my sisters just that much tighter next to her. Like every time the song comes on, mm-hmm. it, it, it never fails to do that. And yeah. I mean, like, it's funny how they say that Winter Takes It All was the song that kind of inspired this musical. But I would argue that they found this song and built the whole musical around this song because it just fits so well. It's the it's the one puzzle piece yeah. of this whole musical that, like, it's the best one that fits the story. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And everything else kind of fell in around it. But like, this is the moment yeah. of the show that it's like, OK, this song. Say, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say Winter Takes It All. Mm-hmm. I would say definitely the song. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, I love Winter Takes It All, but coming down to which Donna song do I prefer? Slipping Through My Fingers is easily one I've been humming and tearing up to. Yeah, all the time. Meryl Streep slays this song. Sleep in our eyes, her and me at the breakfast table. Let precious time go by Then when she's gone There's that old melancholy feeling And the sense of guilt I can't deny What happened to those wonderful adventures The places In the movie. Well, that's simple. Yeah. Why does Meryl Streep do best? Simple. Simple. She is the master of simplicity. Mm-hmm. Well, just watch her reactions in that song. Like the simple smile or the tilt of the head she does walking at her daughter. Um, but she in, uh, smiles through her pain. 
Yes. Even watching her in the prom, Mm-hmm. It reminded me of why she is so masterful. Mm-hmm. She nails simplicity and she nails opposites in mm-hmm. one moment. Mm-hmm. She can be both smiling and in the most deep amount of pain. Mm-hmm. She's remarkable. No, I not very many people can do that. You know who else did that really well? Marin Maisie. Mm, Marin yes. Maisie her eyes and the way she would smile, her eyes were telling a separate story than her smile. And it was devastating. It yeah. was so devastating. I'm surprised Mary Maisie never played Donna. I mean, we've had a lot of great Donna. She did. She didn't. She didn't? Mm-mm. Are you sure? I'm I'm looking at the cast list right now. Yeah, but even in like a... A replacement role? No. Yeah. No, so no. I mean, some of the big Donnas we've had over the years include Beth Lovell, who starred in The Prom uh, on Broadway. You have Carolee Carmelo. Oh, it's Carolee. Sorry. Carolee Carmelo. Carolee who- doesn't, for me, have what Marin Maisie has. I love Carolee's voice. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Well, Carolee does really good at the uh, uh, Winner Takes It All. No Like, that's where she shines in this role. Yeah, well, she She has the big voice. She she has the big voice that fills... Again, her voice is butter. Yeah. It's it's musical butter. Mm -hmm. That is Carolee Carmelo's gift. Yeah. Marin Maisie and Meryl Streep have... It's a different gift. Yes. Actually, you know who's actually a really good Donna who surprised me was Jennifer Nettles. Watch her performance of Slipping Through My Fingers. Okay. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Once again, catching that simplicity of that moment on stage. Yeah. I could watch Meryl Streep on repeat do that. Mm. Yes. Yes. So all you haters, go hate somewhere else. Stop listening because we're on a Meryl Streep. It's true. This is the season of Meryl Streep. Within our first five episodes, we've got three Meryl Streep projects. She brings it, man. And she, she brings it. Yeah. Brings it. She mm. brings it. Yeah. So Autumn slipping through our fingers was both our number ones. What is your number two? Chiquitita. That's my number two. Chiquitita, tell me the truth. I'm a shoulder you can cry on. Your best friend. I'm the one you must rely on.
we're two for two. We're two for two. Can we go for a three? All right, Chikatita, why is that? Never happened. I know. So why is that your number two? Actually, sorry, yes, this has happened where we where we've shared two. We did in 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 seventeen seventy six. Where, where um, we both like molasses to rum and uh, the cool, cool, considerate men. Right. So we, it's, this isn't a new thing, but it's a rare thing where you and I both match. Very rare. Very rare. Mm-hmm. So tell me, why Chikatita, your number two? Um, I just like that it's about friendship and mm-hmm. women really connecting. I'm yes. really into the... What I really love and respect about this is that they've been friends for so long. Yes. I have not... Like most of my really deep friendships are fairly recent. Mm-hmm. And uh, like that kind of knowing of mm-hmm. someone and they are another version of partner in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. And they get it mm-hmm. and they're there. They're in bathrooms. They're in like, it's just. The movie does this scene yeah, really well. Genuine. Mm-hmm. Again, genuine. There's no. So pretense about this musical. Mm-hmm. Even the joy is not pretentious. It's mm-hmm. just infectious, which is different. Yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's why I think people gravitate towards it. Mm-hmm. It is honest and l- lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why I the the female bond in this is is really great. Yes. And they're close, yeah. and they've been close for years, and you can tell that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's very simple. Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, I like it because once again, this is a song that as I've gotten older, I've grown to appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my younger days, I was much more of a dancing queen, which we'll get to. Uh, but <laughs> but I love Chikatita. Like, first off, the harmonies that have to be executed yeah. in this song are incredibly complex like you are working in third like thirds and sixth like and and not the most common nice ones like you're going into some weird ones yeah and and the two actresses need to be incredibly in sync with each other to ensure that they are hitting the the notes just right or else you will know very quickly if it sounds off to, to to each other oh yeah um and then also, this is a song that balances sincerity and comedy really well. Where, where or on one hand, you have friends being really genuine, as you said, and comforting their other friend in a really tough moment where they don't know what's going on. They just know their friend is upset on the bed. But you got the two of them doing that while also doing their own individual comedic, comedic stylings, trying to get her out of this funk. Yeah. And it totally works like this whole scene on one hand you're laughing and on the other hand you're like feeling the pain and that's what good comedy is good comedy has to be laced through tragedy mm-hmm. that's exactly. it exactly yeah so i mean like that's the, I, I, I that's that song and i think and also i think the lyrics once again once again the lyrics are so truthful you have chikatita tell me the truth i'm a shoulder you can cry on Yep. Your best friend, I'm the one you can rely on. You've always been sure of yourself, and now I see you've broken a feather. I hope we can patch it up together. Like those lyrics, like it's it's like it's like what every friend needs to hear in their most yeah. downtrodden okay. moment. I, I have to say, um the 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 
weaving of the songs in this is is pretty perfect. For the most part, a lot of them work. There's a few that don't, and we're going to get to that. Um, but for the most part, they work. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Chikatita, I love it. All right, Autumn, what is your number three? I I don't know about the way it fits in the narrative, but it is my my other favorite ABBA song. Mm-hmm. Super Trooper. So I'll be there when you arrive. The side of you will prove to me I'm still alive. And when you take me in your arms and hold me tight, I know it's gonna mean so much tonight. Tonight the Super Trooper lights are gonna find me shining like the sun. Didn't make my list. No, we are so close. <laughs> we didn't go for the three. We got we got two out of three. Two. All right. Okay. One day, Mackenzie. Well, Martin. you know, what? I well, I do think Super Trooper does fit into the show. They do make it work. They they, they do they build do. it in where it's I mean, like this is Donna. Like this is Donna's song from back in the day that she's now performing for her daughter that has double meaning now. Um, it has a lot more. It has a lot more hurt in it now, though, because yes. she doesn't have the band and. Things her her world has shifted because of Sophie. Yeah, and one might actually call her a super trooper, <laughs> right? Like, yes, um, being a parent period is not easy. Yeah, being a single parent, you're yeah. a hero, yeah. and you are you're a hero. Yeah, you well, know, single parent who's also running a business. Yeah. For the last 20 years and has somehow managed to stay afloat. Yeah. Yeah. And a taverna that they keep saying is not doing very well business wise, but yet somehow she's managed to keep it alive for 20 years. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, that is my second, that's my third favorite. Fair enough. Uh, I just, I, I love it. I, I love, I just love the music and the song too. Well, also, once again, it's got great harmonies. Like now you're going from Chikachu, which is a duet that has complex harmonies. Now you're doing a female trio that is full of complex harmonies. And we talked about how difficult that is when we did Witches of Eastwick. Uh Uh-huh. And and just how tricky a trio is. Because now you got to be not in sync with just one other person on stage. you got to be in sync with two other people. And you got to make sure you're coming off at the right moments with each other. Like coming in and out, and it and it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's I, I, like a trio. It's more trios are way tougher to execute than I would even say a duet. There's a lot more internal complexities that go on in a trio. One hundred percent. So, Super Trooper was your third choice. Uh, my third choice is take a chance on me. If you change your mind. I'm the first in line Honey, I'm still free Take a chance on me If you need me, let me know Gonna be around If you've got no place to go When you're feeling down If you're all alone
<laughs> take a chance, take a chance, take a chance, chance, chance. Or as we sang it in, in, in the back row of choir back back in high school, Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and nobody was the wiser. But yes, Take a Chance on Me was my third choice. And I have vivid memories of watching this scene at the Royal Alex and finding it absolutely hysterically funny with the chase through the chairs that Bill and Rosie do to each other. And just the physical comedy that takes place in this scene. I thought was hysterical and i remember being so worried when i watched the movie and the song wasn't in the right it didn't occur where it was supposed to and i was like did they cut take a chance on me like what did they They left it they were holding on to it they did and they actually moved it to us i what i think is actually a stronger spot yeah um but mind you it works it happens at the wedding it does it works in the movie but on stage it works really well because we've just had two big emotional back-to-back numbers mm-hmm. and the audience needs that release to to come to to come to get to this is this is a, a quintessential 11 o'clock number it is the number that comes in picks the audience up and takes you into the finale oh absolutely and, and it's that, great yes and julia walters kills this dancing down the table but it's it's like it's full of want yes well and the lyrics once again something that is, yeah but it's something that you know could so easily go wrong oh in the wrong hands it can go over the top so quickly this isn't over the top this is like, like this song is beautiful because it is someone throwing the line out it's it's that moment in any relationship where someone throws out the line and puts their heart out on the line and says take my heart i'm here I'm willing to take that step take with you. Take a chance on me. Take a yeah. chance. Take a chance. And actually, fun side story. When I was being a camp counselor for, for children and adults with special needs uh, up at Camp Kennebec, shout out to you, Camp Kennebec. When I did my interview, the in, the camp director, Rob, shout out to you, Rob. Uh, hey, Rob. Yeah. Uh, he asked in the interview, what's a song that you would describe fits you? And... I chose Take a Chance on Me as my song. And Rob thought that was such a unique choice that I would go with an album. I said, listen, I'm all about like just asking somebody to take a chance on me. I will work and I will work hard for you. If you take that chance on me, I will happily dedicate myself to you. And I think also, especially for a kid with kids with special needs, that's all anybody's ever asking is oh absolutely just take a chance absolutely. on me i i i i i, I, I just take to take the jump i'm I, I i promise i'll be there on the other end of that jump with you yes and that's what that song is and that's why i love the song and the fact that it also got me a job working with kids with special needs which is a job i've cherished throughout my years i'm gonna but, do that mac yeah. you've inspired me next yeah. job interview i have Take a chance on me. I'm a tenure ta- track professor. Yeah. I'm going to go in in a gold lame onesie and go, go boots. I'm going to be like, do it. Take a chance. Take a chance. You'll make the impression. It's so great. It's such a great song. And it. I love it. I love Take a Chance. This was another one that I just rewound on repeat listening to. Of course. Yeah, and Jenny Galloway does a great job with the song in the in the original cast album. Yeah, like she's body and she's just fun. Yeah, um, 
Yeah. And that's okay. It's okay. Yes. Because, like, well, there's a reason why she won the Olivier for Best Supporting Actress. It's because yeah. she just totally commits to the song and yeah. the comedy that takes place on stage with this. It's great. So yeah, there we go. Take a chance. All right. Mm-hmm. Three songs we from the musical we either often would skip or would cut entirely. Autumn. What what what, what is number one for you? This was hard. I don't know. One of us. That's my number one too. <laughs> my picture clear. Everything seems so easy. But then you dealt me the blow. One of us. I totally forgot this was in the musical until I rewatched the show and went, oh, Donna Hatchie has a song here. Why? This song is so unimportant. You don't need it. Like, you just cut it and be done with it. Just get to SOS, which yeah. is the stronger song like that, that it gets paired with. You don't, Donna doesn't need another ballad here. She gets like a lot SOS of ballads. Either. Like, hmm? You, oh, you didn't like SOS? No. <gasps> Autumn. Was it Pierce Brosnan that turned you off of that song? Where are those happy days? They seem so hard to find. I tried to reach for you, but you have closed your mind. Whatever happened to our love, I wish I understood. It used to be so nice, it used to be so good. Maybe. I don't, I don't, I guess it's fine. It's just fine. It's fine. Like, like you need a song there to kind of set up Donna and Sam. Yeah. To track their relationship more. Yeah, maybe it was Pierce Brosnan. I don't know. I don't know. Once again, he he's not the best singer, but he works the hell out of that song. He and, does. Yeah. Climbing ladders and. Yeah. I mean, it's kitschy. Yeah. But I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So SOS and one of us got made your cut list. Yeah. So I have a controversial choice that I think is more controversial than SOS. Dancing Queen. Yep.
doesn't work in the, it, it, it's 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 a, it's a fun song it's a really fun song but it feels forced where it's literally literally repeating the same plot points as chikatita just did where once again it's two it's rosie and tanya trying to get donna out of her funk doing comedy trying to connect with her and it's just it it's just a repeat of a plot point and chikatita does it so well already yeah but yeah, Dancing Queen, like, yeah, also. I get it. I, I I get it why it's there. I mean, this is one of ABBA's big songs. That That's is like why it's there. That like you need the song there, but it's like I wonder if you could have somehow wedged it into like the bachelor party scene. You made it like a Sophie song versus a Donna and and her and her, and her gang song because once again, like they they say this is one of the younger ABBA songs. It, it's mm. one of the less mature so the fact that they gave it to donna's storyline and i'm like but donna's songs are all the mature storyline songs yeah I, I, she has all the mature stuff i would have almost preferred or don't you- dancing queen to voulez-vous Yes. Yes. I, do. I mean, I understand it has a good like driving beat mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. But I just find it like the orgy comes from nowhere. The yeah. Idea of voulez-vous. Yeah. Dancing Queen is stronger. And, yeah. And I, I mean, if first comes to worst, I would have. You could have just saved this for the encore with Waterloo. You know, people are going to dance to it no matter what. You could have easily just held it off until uh, until the encore, and and done it and done it there because I mean. Like it, it, it's just such a random. I think it's just the way it's segued into is so sledgehammery, where it's yeah. like if it, it, it feels like someone just pounding a puzzle piece into a puzzle for the sake of this piece has to fit somehow. Like it's like it's like they're talking about Donna feeling like she that she slept with too many men and she's kind of slut, uh, slut shaming herself, and, and, and her friends are like, no, like no, screw that, like. No, like I, 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 be proud of your history. Like I don't, like do that. But then you got, then it's like dancing queen. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> like we just. I wonder what would have happened if they had turned it into a reflective ballad. That would have been interesting. That would have worked better. Like, like after this whole SOS thing with Sam. Yes. She's like, holy shit! What are the repercussions of my actions back then? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I have Sophie here, but mm-hmm. never thought because we never get that piece of her journey. True, really, mm-hmm. that kind of reflective. Oh my god! Yeah, actually, that works. Moments in our life where something mm-hmm. from the past comes and bites us very squarely in the ass. Yep, and we go, "Ugh, mm-hmm. why did I make that choice?" Yeah, yeah, and actually, that would I I I, I like your concept, uh, uh, Catherine. If you're listening, preparing for the revival, take Autumn's idea, take Autumn, and Philetta can go work at the opera. Yeah, I'll direct the next version. Exactly, 
So yeah, like Dancing Queen just feels really like clunky. You know what I mean? Like like you're a teaser, you turn them on. Yeah. You know, it's very reflective. Yes. Just because we're doing ABBA doesn't mean we can't reflect on the song in a new way. I think you could. It it does fit within Judy's framework of as long as you don't change the lyrics, you're good. Yeah. I mean, it is, you can do, hold on a second. I'm going to pull it up. Mm -hmm. Dancing Queen. What, the lyrics? Queen lyrics. Young and sweet, only 17. Yeah. Feel the beat on the tambourine. Friday night and the lights are low, looking for a place to go where they play the right music, getting in the swing. You come to look for a king. That guy, night is sung in the music high. You're a teaser. You turn them on, leave them burning, and then you're gone. This could totally become a ballad number. Right? Looking out for another. Anyone will do. You're in the mood for a dance. Mm Mm-hmm. And when you get the chance, you are the dancing queen. Young and sweet, only 17. She's trying to find... She's trying to find the forgiveness for herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like this new reconception of the song, Autumn. Definitely definitely got to do it in the revival. Yeah. Works way better. Catherine. Mm-hmm. I say so. Done. In okay. Okay, it'll work better. Yeah. I it will absolutely work better. And it will give Donna's journey more oomph. Yeah. Agreed. Thank you. Take out one of us and slot Dancing Queen in that moment. Because one of us just doesn't work. So Autumn, you have one of us in SOS. I've had one of us in Dancing Queen. What is your number three? I'm gonna uh steal Dancing Queen. Ah, very good. Okay, so that's your number three. Okay, my number three is thank you for the music. Like once again, it's a beautiful song. Yeah, but it's so clunkily executed in the stage show, yeah. where it's broken up between the intro conversation Sophie's having with her dads when they first come into the um into the taverna, and it's like I I'm not getting the character motivation for this <laughs> song. It, yeah. I, I'm not getting why Sophie is singing this. I get why Sam's singing it because he's reflecting because he's found the guitar. That yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. So like yeah. what I would so like what I would recommend is. You have Sam's, or sorry, Harry. Harry it's Harry's guitar. Harry Headbanger. Uh, starts it, like, like, like Harry finds the guitar. He, he sings it a bit. Sophie then returns to the stage, sings a little bit of it, and then they end together. And then you do the introduction conversation with each other versus yeah. doing this like weird spliced back yeah. and forth. Like it, it just feels so clunky. Yeah, it, it should be a moment between them because she yeah. is a reflection. Sophie's a reflection of their love. Yes. And... It like him discovering the possibility is a new gratitude, a terrifying gratitude. Yeah. Right. That, that this is even possible. Yeah. It's huge. Mm -hmm. And how will this shift who he is in the world? Yeah. Well, yeah. Especially for Harry. Cause I mean, Harry goes like, 
uh, Carrie is a gay man who doesn't have children. So the yeah. fact that now he's finding out that, well, he doesn't know he, like, he doesn't, hasn't put together that he has a daughter yet, or no, potentially has a daughter, but he's connecting with this Taverta girl that is like, oh, you know this song that that I probably she sang to Donna. Like her mom. Yeah. Like there's gotta be, you know, we all find things that we um, have a familiar sense of mm-hmm. and that remind us of things, yes. right? And yeah, and it's amazing how they move in us. Mm-hmm. And it moves him to sing. Yes. Right? Exactly. Like, I, I I think that's what needs to be, like, I think it's a good song. It just needs to be redone to fit that scene better. Because it could work really well in that scene. You just got to rework it a bit. Um, Judy, I'm ready. I'm ready to direct this musical. <laughs> yeah. Autumn, bring me on as your AD for that. Sure. You rocking. Uh, I love it. I love ABBA. I've always loved ABBA. I would love to do Mamma Mia. I, you heard it here first. Done. Done. All right. In that yeah. case, Autumn, let's head into the final question. Does this musical still have a place today? Should it be revived? Yes. Yes. It brings joy to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are in a time where we have been disconnected, isolated, quarantined, mm-hmm. insular, mm-hmm. Uh, locked, locked down, locked in. Mm-hmm. We need joy. We need joy. We need infectious joy. We need to laugh. We need to connect. We need to be reminded of who we are to each other and that being human mm-hmm. is okay. Yeah. And that friendship, family, um, are the things that are never going to, um, fail us yeah you know the mark of a true friendship when you can go through hell with someone mm-hmm. and they are still there yep still there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's love right love yeah. is not you know it's nothing other than that mm-hmm. it's people that stick it out with you or yeah. brave enough to stick it out and realize that it's not a reflection of them mm-hmm. if something goes wrong that it's something that you work on and you just stick it out. Yeah. Right. I love that. Well said. Well said. Thanks. Um, well, for me, like I agree. Yes. Revive it. Absolutely. It still completely time. has a place today. Like once again, like, as I said, in my opening, this song, this, this song, this musical does the tightrope walk. It plays to the masses while giving performers and people who want to go on a deeper level, something deeper to connect with. Yeah. Like, this musical has depth uh, when executed properly. Uh, uh, and the story of a child from a broken family trying <laughs> to find and put their family together, very universal. And the way this musical also is very feminist with this female-powered story of not shaming Donna for her passion relationships, but in fact, literally going out of their way to continually reassure Donna in audiences that, Donna, your history is fine. Don't worry, like, don't... Don't shame yourself for the sake of like this, like a okay. Who like? But it's but 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 it's that Don, but Don's lived in the shame of her past, and the, and the musical goes out of his way to say no shame, you're good. Like, like I think that's a great powerful message, and we need more media stories to tell that. Um, yes, we yes we do. It's yeah. about making choices. Sometimes we regret our choices. 
Regretting choices and shaming is are very different things. Mm. Yes. Right. I've made some choices that I seriously regret, mm -hmm. but I don't live in shame yeah. of, of because of those. I think they have helped mm -hmm. shape who I am today mm -hmm. to be the best person I can be in the world. Yes, exactly. Agree? Exactly. Agree. There's no, there's no point in feeling shame for something that I, I was a different person at a different time. And so was Donna. Yeah. Like she can't. We can never shame our 17 year old selves. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. It'd be like me shaming my um, perimenopausal <laughs> 47 year old self. Yeah. Like there's so much at play in our bodies, in our mental states, mm -hmm. that shift. And I think that um, this show handles that very well. Yeah. Like she is, she is, Donna is going we we get glimpses of her at 17 but mm -hmm. then she's living in this perimenopausal or menopausal self yes right so these yeah. two very mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. difficult stages for women to live in yeah it is it sucks it sucks don't sugarcoat it don't put it in pink don't send me fuchsia flowers to say it's all gonna be okay it's not okay Mm -hmm. it sucks mm -hmm. so tell me it sucks and say hey how do you want to get through this let's work it out together yeah and that's what the musical does and i love that i love that she has two friends who are similarly going through the same thing yeah finding finding their sexuality mm -hmm. and finding validation from younger people or you know like yeah she's on everything which is really really great yes Absolutely. And I think this is the best jukebox musical we have of, of, of musical theater canon. And give it five years. I would say get us out of COVID, let theaters reopen, and in five years, we will see a revival of this on Broadway. I mean, it closed in 2015. It's still playing in the West End. Five years from now, that's going to make it 10 years. Easily a perfect time to revive this show. This, this, should, this should be done now. Yeah. Because you know what? People need Mamma Mia. Yeah. They need to be in the theater. Yes, the movie version's great, mm -hmm. but the the contagion of joy yes. that seeps from the stage. Mm -hmm. It's like hairspray. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't love ABBA? Mm -hmm. Who doesn't love the 70s music? 70s yeah. 80s. Mm -hmm. You're dumb if you don't. Sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that it? I'm judging you. Accept it. <laughs> um, it's just joy. It's yeah. just, it's it's the spreading of joy and we need it more now than ever. Agreed. I, I'm gravitating towards things that will purposely bring me joy or make me laugh. I'm watching The Baking Show. I'm watching Jingle Jangle. I'm watching The Prom. I'm watching The Sound of Music. I'm watching all the feel-goods. Yeah. What is not to love? Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Yes. Um, so yes, absolutely. Revive it. And I would definitely say when you're bringing it back for the revival, look at the book for the film because they did some really great additions to the story. Because once again, Katherine Johnson wrote both. So clearly she was able to go back in and, and add more and refine it more. Amazing. Build more relationships. And hmm. I would just say, use that as a resource when, when you revive Digitalize it. your set. Yeah. And turn Dancing Queen into a ballad. 
Yeah. Snap, snaps, and yeah. tighten up the Harry Harry song. Yes. Yes. Thank, Thank you, you for, for the music. Them. Yeah. All these suggestions. Let's do it. Do it. Routine. Done. Yeah. Done. So there we go. That's that 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 is Mumia in a, in a nutshell. Autumn and I are going to hang up our go-go boots. Uh, Never hanging up my go-go boots. <laughs> I am because they're killing me. They're killing my heel. They're they're killing my back. I don't I don't know how you stay in them all this time. Oh, they're it's terrible. It's terrible. I don't know how I do it either, but yeah. I do. There we go. But I sleep in mine. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not just picturing you like Tanya in the scene in the movie where Rosie and, and Donna are trying to pull the boots off Christine Baranski. <laughs> it's that. And then just. I can't tell you how much I would love to play one of those older characters in this musical. I could see you being, being, being a Rosie. I could. I would love to. Yes. Someone hire me to do it. I will do it. Yeah. I could totally see you being a Rosie. Um, but there we go. Thank you all for listening to the podcast today. Uh, we would like to thank Brody Weld, our wonderful theme music composer, once again for his fantastic contribution. Uh, Brody, please... thank you for the music. Ah, well said. And if you want to listen to Brody's music, you can find him at Father Closes on all musical accounts, such as Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, all that good stuff. Listen to his favorite track of mine, Home decor, which is all about household furniture and being stuck in quarantine. It's great. Yes. Um, listen to that. Yeah. In the meantime, though, uh, everybody, uh, until our next show, check out our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter. we got lots of great fun stuff going on there. This is the last episode we will be doing before our next episode where we will reveal who won our season two feedback survey. So you have a little bit more time to get a few more uh, uh, feedback surveys if you haven't done so already. The link is in the bio. Do it. It's how we grow. It's It's how we grow. It's true. Share your thoughts. It's true. It's true. And if you want more of Autumn and I, check out our Patreon page where you can donate a little bit of money once a month. Autumn and I will do a movie musical commentary of Mamma Mia. We'll talk about the theater news. Uh, that's happening, especially now that we are starting to see theaters trying to reopen again, particularly in the West End. Uh, and we'll also do other fun things like our top 10 list. Who knows? Maybe we'll do our top 10 uh, bands that we think should get a jukebox musical made of their songs. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, check all that out. Patreon before the downbeat. And Autumn, where can, be, uh, um, where can people find you? All the places. <laughs> I totally forgot. Um, I've just started Mackenzie Horner. Get mm-hmm. ready. Oh boy. TikTok. I've yet to do the TikTok. <laughs> Join me on my TikTok account, mm. Autumn DM Smith. Okay. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at that name. And I have a company. Yes. Called Littlewood Smith. And I also have a new company mm-hmm. uh, that is primarily devoted to the production side of my education company Great. called Timber Beast Productions. Ah, very good. All about the unruly lumbermen in the Muskoka area. Love that. Love, love, love that. Uh, and you can follow me at Mackenzie Horner on social media platforms. 
You also can follow my antics with Cup of Hemlock on all the Cup of Hemlock uh, platforms as well. I mean, right now we have, what do we have? We have theater reviews of plays and musicals that are being done. We are doing uh, short scenes. We are doing, uh, I actually, I will be, Autumn, you'll appreciate this. I, myself and our literary manager, Ryan Brockovich, are doing a nine-part Duet review of Nicholas Nickleby, starring Roger Reese, the late great Roger Reese from Broadway HD. That it'll be a nine-part series starting it starting hopefully in February. So there, so yes, stay tuned for that. And also, I will say, for my musical fans, we have two very special things right now. A cup of hemlock. We have our roundtable number two, which is where we debate the topic of our musicals, uh, a low art. Uh, and my, and and our general assistant Jill and I do a duet review of all the Les Mis concerts that have been done over the years, including the tenth, the twenty fifth, and the stage concert. We are breaking all of them down in, 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 in one fun review. So tune in for that this January as well. Stay tuned. Right Either way, on. everybody, stay on the the beat. Stay on dancing. Be the dancing queen of your life. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for the music. Stay safe. Yes. Be awesome. Bye-bye.